Welcome to episode 118 of the MXY Show. We have an action-packed show ready for you as we build up to round two of the MXGP series. I'm James Burfield, your host, and the first part of the show is brought to you by Parts Europe. Parts Europe distributes spare parts, accessories, and rider equipment for all motorbike segments in Europe. We support the sport. It's fortified through the Four and Moose House brand, brand ranges and their support of world elite MX riders like Calvin Vlanderen, Jorge Prado, Lagenfelder, Guadagini, Jonas Bogers, and nine times world champion Thor ambassador, Tony Caroli. Your Parts Europe dealer has access to all the big brands for your motocross and enduro bike, Necken, Pro Circuit, FMF, ODI, Cycra, Renthal, Recluse, and many, many more are in stock and ready to be shipped. Check out our website at partseurope.eu or contact your local Parts Europe dealer. With a dealer network of over 10,000 shops, we're sure there is one that is close to you. A big thank you to our show sponsors, Kawasaki UK, AS3 Performance Parts, Even Strokes, ThorMX, uh, Asterisk. Uh, without those guys, uh, we wouldn't be here, so appreciate the support, guys. Uh, with me, as always, uh, is the uh, man from Down Under, the MX Vice Editor, and the machine... That is Ed Stratman. How are you, Ed? Good, mate. Yeah, life's good. Been another um, big weekend of action racing around the world and a big one to come. So, yeah, thanks for having us on, mate. And how are you going? Yeah, not too bad, buddy. Not too bad. I'm actually excited because uh, we have got uh, Supercross royalty in the house. Um, the, the guy from Fly Racing um, and the ever-present seems to be everywhere in the industry at the moment, Jason Thomas. Welcome to the show, Jason. Yeah, thanks. It's uh, it's honestly going to be a great time for me because I've been talking nothing but Supercross for about three or four months straight. Uh, so get to get to talk a bit of MXGP as that series is just getting going will be uh, be fun for me. So um, you seem to uh, you seem to be taking off the, the Jason Thomas career is <laughs> is uh, uh, what what can we call it? It's uh, it's way more than a wagon and it's definitely uh, faster than than a ship. It's, uh, it's right, a colossal right. train. The Thomas train at the moment is. Um, <laughs> is gathering speed because uh, I see you everywhere, buddy. You are the hardest working person in those pits at the moment. Yeah. I don't know if, uh, I don't know if I ever earned that title, but um, honestly, I just, I don't want to say no to opportunities and uh, I'm very fortunate and blessed that I've been, you know, I'm getting offered things to do. And uh, you know, now, you know, this, this television opportunity started last summer, you know, and, and before then MXGP a little bit, and then that rolled into a pro motocross last summer and then supercross now. So it's been a big learning experience for me. And, um, you know, I always say that the, the child me, if you had told me that I would get to do these things would never have believed you, you know, they're just not possible. Um, so yeah, I'm just trying to make the most of it. And if it's all gone tomorrow, you know, then I, you know, I will truly have enjoyed the opportunity I was given. So yeah, hope I get to do it forever. But if it's, if it's not, then that's okay too. I'm loving every second of it for now. I mean, that's a really good, uh, an interesting point that you put, put across is that you, you, you're trying to say yes to things. So you're not trying to turn anything down. And I guess that's what happens. These opportunities come up and uh, you have to take them with both hands. Hey, GT, even though you're busy and, and you know, you, you never know where this is going to go. And, you know, that little, you know, the 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 little kind of yes concern turn into quite a big uh, steamroller of a yes where um, we're kind of seeing you everywhere at the moment. So um, congrats on that because you're killing it. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. And, I, and just quickly, how it kind of happened was I was in a pretty serious relationship and I was really kind of going the other way. I was trying to 
pull a lot of myself out of those situations and be home more and travel less. Um, and then that, that relationship ended. And once I kind of realized, okay, you know, I'd been, I'd been saying no a lot lately. And I said, okay, well, I don't have this responsibility at home anymore. And I can do, I can go chase whatever, you know, work dream or opportunity that I want now. So I'm going to say yes to all of them and see where it takes me. And that's been, that's been a few years of that now. And I've just been like, if somebody's like, Hey, we have this, would you like to do this? I'm like, yep. And it, even if I don't know exactly how to do it, I'll figure it out on the way. Um, but I, I just, uh, yeah, I'm just trying to make the most of everything, you know, that I can do. And and one day, you know, I won't look back and say, you know what, what if I had really tried to put myself on television and, and give that a go, even if you're not very good at it, just try it, see how it works out. Um, I was told that a long time ago as if something gets you really excited and someone offers you an opportunity, even if you don't have any clue how to do it, just say yes and figure out how to do it later. Um, and, and you'll, you'll get yourself a long way doing that. Yeah. It's quite funny because, uh, I'm on my own kind of, um, say yes to everything kind of, um, movement in a moment in, uh, the weekend, I just done a little bit of in front of the uh, camera and I freaking hated it. And my, um, <laughs> my, my wife's my biggest supporter, but she said, Oh my God, it's like you have ADHD. You just got to stand still in front of the camera. You're like bobbing around, bobbing at me like a meerkat. So, um, I guess it's one of those things that you have to, it is a massive learning curve. Hey, it is. It's totally different. And, and I've done so many podcasts over the years, you know, I've gone on 10 or 12 years of, of podcasting multiple times a week. So that's a really comfortable environment for me. And I don't really prepare. I, it just comes naturally at this point, but standing in front of that camera and then trying to have coherent thoughts and really explain your point well and be concise and do all the things that you're trying to accomplish also while maintaining eye contact and looking presentable and all, it's, it's really challenging. It's, it's much harder than I thought it would be. So I can absolutely understand and appreciate the, the challenges you're going through because I face it every Saturday night and I, I stress out, like I really get nervous uh, beforehand. And then after I'm like, ah, oh, it was okay. But I, I do get really nervous before I have to go on camera. It it has this whole situation has made me uh, way more appreciative of people like um, Lisa uh, and and Will on yep. Supercross. Absolutely, that, they, they these like you you have these conversations going on in your ear, and you're trying to 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 listen to that as well as like you say, be coherent in your own thoughts, uh, as yep. well as like uh, you know, obviously look after the rider as well because you're trying to get the best out of the rider as you're talking to him. That's the absolute hardest is when you're talking and someone's also talking to you to not have for the, for the viewer to not have any idea that someone's in your ear yelling or, or trying to get you to do something. It's really tough um, that they are professionals at it. Daniel and Will and Lisa and uh, Lee Diffie and Ray, like they're so good at that because you'd never know. I can hear what's going on. And I'm like, man, you would never have any idea the transitions they're going through and someone's leading them through things, especially if things get a little chaotic and they have to get off script a bit. You would just never know. They, they just pick it up like that and they're just listening and following directions. Meanwhile, they're you know carrying a viewer through a show at the same time. Yeah, it's, it's it, it, I've kind of had my eyes opened up slightly to this 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 world, and it blows my mind just with like how people <laughs> are able too. to like li literally have this face of just pure no panic, uh, everything's good. I'm super professional, and what the hell's going on inside must be like, oh my god, I'd have a meltdown. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah. It, I mean, they're professionals. There's no other way to to say it. They're they're 
truly professionals at what they do. Yeah, and it's uh, taken you a little bit of time to probably get your composure and breathe and and just sort of gather yourself after certain things throw you off too. That would be pretty hard, I reckon. Yeah, for me, it's it was, uh, and, and I'm kind of getting there now. Is is getting my breathing down and my heart rate down and just relax and be in the moment. And I've kind of got, I've gotten to watch these, you know, people we're talking about, they're so good at it. And I'm like, I just, I just, I know how to do this. I talk about racing all day, every day. So just calm down, stop being so nervous and talk about the probably one thing on this earth that you're an expert in. Like it's not that difficult. And so it's getting a little bit easier, but I, the entire time leading up to it, I'm like, you're going to be the reason that the show is terrible. You're going to ruin the entire night of racing for everybody worldwide. Like it's really hard to get that thought out of your head. Oh my God, that pressure. Um, oh. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it's like the NBC uh, and, and our producers and everybody, they tell us like, you can say anything you want once anything on this planet that you want to say, guess what? You can say it once. You may never get another chance to say ever again, but you can say whatever you want one time. I love strawberry milkshake. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Um, no, it's, 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 it's great to see you doing, doing well. And it, and it honestly not doing this to, uh, to make you feel good, but it, you're an absolute natural and you just seem to, uh, it's like you've been ever present. I think that says something about, um, how you've adapted to the role so quickly. Well, I appreciate that. I'm, I'm definitely working to try to improve. That's for sure. Um, I'm still trying to improve on this show, Jason. It's been 180. <laughs> so I have no idea how long it's going to take me to crack the uh, track walk on a Friday, but we'll give it a go. But um, obviously, we we, we want to talk to you about MXGP because uh, yeah, you know, I, we I've seen you in and around the pits. Um, like you say, you've joined Paul on multiple occasions now with with the commentary, and you know, we 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 talk um uh, now and again, and, and and you have a massive interest in uh, the riders of MXGP. I, I don't think people understand literally uh, how far your knowledge goes because uh, you really do keep your finger on the pulse with everything. Yeah. And you know, for me, it's uh, for one, I'm just a huge fan of the sport, right? I love racing and whether it's MXGP or obviously all the stuff stateside or MotoGP, like I just love motorcycle racing. So that's a, a basic interest. And then I've spent so much time, whether it's in the UK or in Europe or just racing outside of the U S that I have, I think a unique perspective on it where many of the American riders or just fans in America, they it's, it's very hard to relate to what's going on because they haven't traveled internationally. They haven't been to these rounds. You know, they, they turn on CBS sports in America or MXGP TV and everything seems really far away foreign. They, you know, the, the accents seem funny, the names they can't pronounce, you know, they don't know who any of these guys are. They don't have any context. Um, so when I, whether I'm getting to commentate MXGP or if I'm just watching and talking to someone, I really try to kind of bring that home for them. It's just still dirt bike racing. Like these guys, they do the same things during the week that your favorite rider, like Eli Tomac does. They wake up, they train, they ride their dirt bike. They do all these things. It just so happens that they, maybe their native language isn't the same as yours. Um, so yeah, that, that perspective of having traveled to all these places and I rode Wommel in the wintertime when there was nowhere else to go. And I know how awful that is and how <laughs> talented these guys are because they can make a track like that look easy and it is brutally hard to ride. Um, so to me, watching them, how fast they're going on some of these tracks that are so much different than American tracks, there's something I think that needs to be shared to the American viewers. Like, Hey, yeah, you may not know who these guys are, 
but trust me when I tell you they're incredible. They, they are so talented and so skilled at what they're doing. Um, and yeah, that's been a personal goal of mine. And it's also been something that uh, in front and I have been working to do is, is just make these things more relatable, you know, and, and a person that's in, in middle America, how do we help that person identify with the series and, and make it feel a little bit more like what they're used to. So hopefully that long-term that, that plays out. I mean, uh, I seen the the stats from uh, the opening presentation last week in uh, Argentina, and and I know from the the stats on the MX Vice podcast and in the website, we we now have more American um, visitors and listeners than we do in the UK and Europe, which is is incredible. The appetite for MXGP now is at a stage where I don't think I've ever seen in the past twelve years. So um, yeah. it's like, uh, you know, it's it's growing, but it's growing fast. Um, when when I kind of, you know, even when I you know, came to Anaheim last year, you know, people were talking to me, oh, it's James from the MX Vice show. And, it's, you know, that was just really, cool. really because yeah, it's awesome. you know, a lot of people don't even speak to me who I know. So the fact that I went to America, <laughs> someone spoke to me, it was it was incredible. So, um, yeah, uh, but joking aside. It's it's incredible the, the appetite for American motocross fans and and they have embraced MXGP massively. I think we're crying out now for um, an American rider to to hit one of the MXGP teams up and come out and try it for a year. I mean, we we lost Thomas. Obviously, Zach's gone back. Yeah. Um, Darian was a fantastic MX2 rider, um, and now he's enjoying his. Um, his uh, residential uh, lettings uh, in his property yeah. portfolio. So I can't blame him for uh, not wanting to go on a 450 now. But um, it would be lovely, hey, to see uh, an, a US uh, rider in MXGP once more. Yeah, it's, you know, it's really unfortunate. I think that the Ryan Poto experiment didn't go more successfully because I think that was, they created a pathway. And everybody was involved from Kawasaki to Monster to Giuseppe Luongo, which is now in front. You know, everybody was okay. Like, let's find a way for this to work for not only for Ryan, but other riders in the future. And then I, th- I think what happened was the American riders kind of watched it and went, that didn't go very well. I don't know that I want to risk because it's, it's, if they have a great situation in America, they're like, do I really need to take this chance and this risk or can I just stay here and do what I know, you know, and conversely, a lot of the MXGP guys, I think feel the same way. You know, a lot of these guys have had to face, do they come to America and to MXGP's credit, the guys are getting paid more. The series has improved a lot. So they're like, nah, I can just stay here and do really well here. Like Jorge, Jorge Prado faced that a few years ago. Like, do I stay or do I go thing? Um, But to your point about the American interest, I think that the MXGP riders have earned that through their performances over the motor, at the Motocross of Nations over the last decade. Because I think before then, there was this, and I'll say misconception, or maybe maybe it was accurate at the time, the World Championship, even though it was so prestigious, most Americans viewed it as second tier. And it wasn't until the MXGP riders really took charge of the Motocross of Nations and America didn't win for 10 years. I think everybody, even myself, who I, I knew better, had to be like, man, I don't think we're the best right now. Like, we haven't won in a long time. And every time we go, we get smoked. So they've earned our respect. Like, this series has really, it's 
standing on its own and it, it deserves all the respect now. And I think that's resonated with a lot of people. How can it not? When you watch that, that race year in and year out and the guys that you think as an American are the best riders in the world get spanked every year. What, you know, how do you square that other than just say these, the, the guys in Europe are going really fast. Um, I think the arrival of, um, of Tom Viao has kind of reinforced the gap between uh, motocross and supercross once more. Um, Tom has put in a fantastic performance. The fact that um, I was told that it wasn't until October last year that he hit a set of whoops. So (laughs) the fact that he is where he he is and the the development of the rider is is pretty insane, you know, but two-time world champion. So a two-time world Mm -hmm. motocross champion going into into supercross and you know he's doing very very well i think he's he's you know as a first year rookie um he's done fantastic but again it piques that interest between us and mxgp what's your thoughts on on tom vial's performance this year jt yeah he's been impressive um you know i expected him to go through a learning curve and there were going to be some difficult times you know i i it's almost playing out the way i envisioned uh the tracks where the whoops are brutally difficult this weekend was one of them in Detroit. I felt like he would suffer because the ability to, you know, get through a, a whoop section at when it's at, when they're at their worst and compete with guys like Hunter and Thrasher and the guys that are at the top of the 250 series, that's a learned skill. And you can't expect someone to just pick it up, you know, immediately. Um, and then there are other rounds, you know, I think at Daytona, he likely gets on the podium or is close you know, some of the rounds where the whoops are going to be easier, uh, he's going to he's gonna excel. You know, he, he had a really strong race at Houston right out of the gate. Um, so I think it's just going to be a little bit of ups and downs. He's going to learn a lot along the way. Um, and then it's, you know, but that's to be expected. Like, look how long it's taken Hunter Lawrence to really figure this thing out. Now, Hunter didn't have the credentials that Tom Bial does, but Hunter's just like, you could say last year as well, but he's just coming into his own now to where he's finally figured everything out. And he's been here for four or five years now. Um, so I think to ins- expect anything other than some learning at the beginning would would probably be foolish. Do you think it's going to be the same sort of timeline for, for Tom, like basing on, on where Hunter is uh, currently? Do you think that's going to be the same sort of thing? We're, we're looking at sort of three to four years for, for him to to possibly be where, um, you know, be, be at the front. I think he could definitely shorten that. Um, the key is going to be, can he stay healthy? If, if he can stay healthy and consistently get better, then he can. Um, and, and Hunter's, to his credit, has made that point as well as this is the first time that he's had really two full years of being injury-free and being able to gain momentum and keep riding and keep improving, get his base fitness and all those things. Because before that, it was constant shoulder injuries. He just could not stay on the motorcycle. Uh, so I think that's going to be it for Tom is can he, can he get through the rest of the Supercross season healthy? We know he's going to be great when it comes to pro motocross. That's what he's been great at for you know years now. Um, and then go into another another full off season starting in October and and take all the things he learned in the Supercross season and say, okay, where are we good and where are we not so good? I think you'll see a much much better Tom Biel next year than you did this year. And and he's already well inside the top ten and and trying to get near the podium. So I think it bodes well for him. 
No, that's good. I um, I, I, I like I said, I, I've been impressed. I think quite a few of other people, uh, other people, have been impressed within the industry. With just, uh, you know, I, I thought he would have struggled a lot more. He seems to embrace in the the culture. He seems to be embracing the. Uh, racing and, and, and getting used to it because it, it it couldn't be more different to um, MXGP. Totally. If, well, if right. <laughs> yeah, and I think you know, I think MXGP riders or MX2 um, they learn a lot of versatility because you look at the travel schedule, you look at the different cultures that they have to endure, different foods. Diff- you know, they they travel the world. They go to Indonesia. They go to you know they were just in Argentina. Like there, there's a lot of adaptability that these guys learn along the way at very young ages. You look at guys like Kaida Wolf and then they're traveling the world at 15 and 16 years old. That's going to serve them so well when they're 22 and 25, they're going to be able to adapt to any situation. So I think that's a big help to Tom right now is he's like, okay, yeah, I, I, I'm used to dealing with different foods and different time zones. And, and that versatility factor has already been ingrained in him at a young age. Yeah, that's definitely a good point because obviously with like the South African um, rider at the moment, Camden McClellan, who's just gone to MX2, like he's been in Europe for years. His whole family, I think his dad stayed at home. Mum, brothers, they all moved over to live in um, yep. in Europe and, and just that's where you got to be if you want to be a success. So they're, they're used to those sacrifices already, just like the Lawrence boys coming to Europe, obviously, like you mentioned. So some of those guys, so when they come to America, they probably realise that life is... Um, pretty adaptable and it's not too too much of a thing for him to get used to it yeah yeah it's, i think you just become uh just better at handling odd situations and that can translate to the racetrack when things aren't going perfectly you don't lose your composure and and you know you're able to think in the moment and understand that yeah you're gonna have to think on your feet and i think that's that's a, a really positive quality that you know, Hunter and Jet have anybody who's kind of gone through that path. You go back years, Grant Langston, Chad Reed, all these guys had to go through those things, different continents, different cultures, different everything. Um, and how quickly can you process it, adapt to it, and then get back to being your best? Um, that, yeah, I think there's a lot of not, not only racing lessons, but life lessons to be to be gained there. I think um, I think Tom Viao has actually kind of opened a few uh, other MX2 and MXGP riders' eyes with his performances, and and maybe sort of cast a little bit of doubt on maybe uh, okay, MXGP is I'm I'm here for good, and da da da. I know Calvin Vlander, and you know I spoke to him in December. And, yeah, he was um, at Anaheim as well. Yeah, so um, we got him on race day live, and and, if, and and got that going for him, which was really good. My big shout out to Sean Brennan. That's cool. And. Uh, yeah, and he was before when I spoke to him before he we went out, he was like, "Yeah, never gonna happen." And then he went to Anaheim one, and he came back and he went, ah, "I don't know, I don't know." It's, uh, yeah, so I was like, "Oh wow!" So um, I thought that was pretty cool, but um, well, he can't be thinking about Anaheim. Too. This is his this is his track coming up though in Sardinia, so he's got to be focused yeah. on this weekend. Oh yeah. Well, we're hoping to uh, we're hoping this week's track walk is going to be done with Calvin. So we've um, we've dialed him in for the uh, for the track walk this week, which um, I, I guess he's not going to be giving away too many secrets. Right. Least... <laughs> <laughs> but we'll be able to honestly. There's and that track. Uh, you know, I was I was lucky enough to go there a couple of years ago, and uh, there's not a lot of secrets to be had. It's just who's the toughest and who can handle the track. You know, maybe you find a decent line here or there. But honestly, when you watch, everyone's going in mostly the same spot, and it's just who's stronger and who's fitter, and you know who can who can handle the sand. Um, 
one of the things which I uh, I've kind of been a bit a bit of a uh, a bit kind of outspoken about was I I don't think people really understood how um, how significant that victory was or or how amazing that victory was for Calvin Vlanderum. And I was trying to yeah. sort of put it into terms of what that would be like if if that was in 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 the US just to give it some sort of gravity because um, you know for a guy who's on you know, a satellite team and goes out and basically beats every factory rider, but not just once, but twice. Um, yep. That's a phenomenal performance, AJT. Yeah, I, I was trying to think of what it would be like, and it would probably be like Dean Wilson winning this weekend in Seattle, something like that, right? A, a quality rider, been on a factory team, but no one is is considering him for the victory. And he goes out and, and smashes everyone, not once, but twice. Um, so yeah, it was, uh, I, I certainly did not see that coming. And as I'm watching, I was trying to be like, how is he doing this? But then I just sat back and I'm like, he's just riding better than these guys. Like you could just see it. Like it wasn't a stroke of luck. It wasn't circumstances. I mean, he passed into the lead and, and won the race. You know, it, it was, uh, it's one of those moments. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie, uh, old school where Will yep. Ferrell is in the debate I and he blacks out. I mean, yep. that's, that's like it was, what it was like. I, after the race, he's like, what happened? What What did I do? And yeah, you won, Calvin, you won, you know, like, and it, it, but it was truly remarkable. I mean, it's one of the, it's one of those days in his life that he'll never forget ever, ever, you know, he'll be able to vividly remember that day for the rest of his life and deservedly. So he was fantastic that day. So we now got to call uh, Calvin, basically Frank, the tank of Sardinia. <laughs> so uh... there you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he just destroys everybody. But um, I, you know, I, I've talked to him a, a, a little bit about it because I'm really interested in the whole psychology of of, of the sport as well. And and the, you know, I read lots of books and bits and pieces. I find it very you know intriguing because, like a, a mere mortal like myself, um, as much as I like to think positive and a winning mentality, I get on a bike and fall off quite quickly. So um, and I said to <laughs> me too. Uh, these days. <laughs> I said to uh, Calvin, like, what's what was going through? What was the difference between that day and, and any other GP? And and I've been speaking to a lot of riders about it since, and he just said it was like everything felt right. Uh, the bike felt good. I felt good. He said if I could only put my finger on it and I could, you know, write it down exactly what it was and I could replicate it. But I guess. That is the difference, JT, with the Tomax, with the Hurlins, with the geysers are able to yeah. find They can that. harness it. Yeah. 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 And I, I think of not to throw another movie reference in there, but I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Gladiator, but they, there's a Absolutely. scene where they basically say, you know, there was a, a, a dream called Rome. And if you whispered it, it, it vanished, <laughs> right? It's so hard to find this perfect utopia that they had of Rome. And that, that's that day. And, and I felt that I didn't win, but I've had on my best days, whether, you know, in some of those supercrosses I've won, you know, outside of the USA, I've had those days where just everything was easy. It didn't even feel like I, you know, was trying that hard and everything came easy that day, but it, you, you don't know why it's very difficult to replicate um, and, and I, yeah, so I can very much relate to what Calvin's saying. Like if you, if you knew you would do it every, every Sunday afternoon, you know, 20 times a, a calendar year. Uh, but it's just for most mortals, it's very difficult to find that magic week in and week out, unless your name's Jeffrey Hurlings. And then it's just, yeah, you wake up and put your boots on and good things happen.
Yeah. I was going to say, James, you spoke to Iago after his Argentina win and he was came into the season a little bit underdone and not really didn't really have a great race at Learop beforehand and he just said it was like that, 1-1-1, one, 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 everything just felt right, right place, right time and it just clicked because he said to you on the Saturday that I was going for, he was going for a top five and he wasn't sort of didn't think he'd be there. And it Which was crazy. Before. I couldn't believe that, that comment. I'm like, because my, from the outside looking in, Tom leaves, you know, Benesson is on the rise, we know. Um, yeah. But to me, this is, this is Yago's championship to lose. You know, he's been the guy that Tom had to worry about for a long time now. And if, if it's not Yago, then it's who maybe, maybe Tebow, you know, I, I'm, I just don't know if Adamo or any of these other guys are really ready to step up to that stage yet. So, so to me, uh, it was very shocking to hear that comment. And I always, I always try to not put a lot of emphasis on the the warm up international races because I think there's nothing like a Grand Prix as far as the pressure and the moment and it just changes. Everything changes. Um, you can go race a Dutch Masters race and that is not a GP. The the feeling's not the same. The the expectation and the performances are not the same. Um, so until they show up and, and they went racing in, in Patagonia, I was like, I, I'm just going to ex- try to expect what I've always expected out of Iago. And to his credit, that's what we got. Yeah, it was a weird one because I spoke to him and uh, in Hans Corvers and they, they said he's only been on the bike a couple of weeks. He's been you know, been quite ill, not yep. got the bike time and everything else. So that's where, you know, when he was coming in, he was he was kind of like, I actually don't know where I am. Like, right. I, you know, I, I feel better now. But, uh, and he just said that he just took that opportunity the weekend. And I think, again, if, if you're, there's an old saying is you, you if you win, uh, basically you're bad. If you can win your, uh, on the races, which you're feeling, uh, on your bad weekends and that's exactly yep. what he's done. So he's took that opportunity. He, he turned around to me and just said, look, uh, when you get a good gate, you just got to go. <laughs> so yeah, and that was if you're not feeling great and you go one, one, one on the weekend, um, that's a pretty good sign. And yeah. he capitalized beautifully because obviously Langenfelder and Ben Astont and DeWolf and these guys really didn't have a great day. So I think, what did we say? Yeah. He was already 19 points up or so on Ben Astont. So it's just taken, took advantage yeah. while the other guys had an off day and it, it will probably sort of come to fruition come the end of the year, I'd imagine. Yeah. And, and I, I think that's how that series is going to play out. Benistant's going to have good days. Um, there will be certain tracks where I think he'll he'll just be better than Yago. They go to Germany and they go to some of these tracks that are very technical, a little slower. We really have to be precise. Benistant really thrives in those scenarios. Um, but you think about the sand races and a little bit faster, flowy tracks. Yago does those things well. Um, I think the difference will be Yago will be able to stay top three in any circumstances, you know, unless he crashes at every track, he's going to be probably on the podium and that's going to be very difficult for Benestant to square over the course of an entire series. So I could be wrong. Um, but I, I think I was in a great spot to, uh, to be world champion this year. Yeah. I wanted to quickly ask you about that Germany performance of um, Benestant cause you were there and you saw it in the flesh. Yeah. That was one of the rides of last year. So he was just so precise. Technical. He was looking so comfortable sort of scrubbing the jumps, staying really low. It was masterful, wasn't it? Yeah, and he it's just that prototypical French style, right? They're so perfect where, with where they put the front wheel and they can find traction in place that other guys can't. Um, so to me, it was like watching 
the Jean-Michel Bale and David Villeman and, and Tortelli and all those guys, because I think if they're a product of the tracks they grew up on, they had to develop that skill set to ride these rocky, slippery French tracks. Um, and when the conditions get really difficult, those guys shine. Like they can go fast when everybody else starts getting sketched out and they feel like, okay, I need to slow down a bit. Those guys are like, yeah, I'll, I'll show you a way to go, to go faster here. And he, yeah, that was an incredible performance that day. The, um, the one thing that struck me with, with Yago is we, you know, we've kind of seen like little sort of interesting things on his social media and bits and pieces. And, uh, one of the things that struck me this year is how relaxed he seems to be, especially with someone like myself in the media. I've got kind of got to know him quite quickly, um, yep. you know, last year and in, in this year. So um, he seems to be way more relaxed, where before he was kind of more, not standoffish, but wasn't comfortable. But now mm-hmm. this year, and that's, I don't think that's to be with like media training or nothing. I don't think he's had anything like that, but... Again, that's one noticeable difference I've seen is that there seems to be pressure off. So maybe this yeah. whole VL, this whole VL pressure system has just been removed, and now Gertz can just be well, Yago can be Yago, I guess, because he was definitely way more relaxed in the pits in Argentina. That was the one thing which came across to me. Well, and I think there's you know there's probably two things at play there. One is he's maturing, and uh, you know he just coming into his own a bit. Um, and that's just a natural part of the process is he's going to get older. He's gone down this path before. Um, and then secondly, I think he's looking up and down the starting line and he doesn't really see anybody that threatens him. You know, I, I think he understands that Benesson's going to have good days, but if he has to look up and down the starting line, he doesn't see a huge threat as like, man, that guy, like, I, I think he looked at Tom Bial as his peer and as equal and is like, I don't know if I can beat him. I, I can sometimes, but he's going to beat me sometimes too. I don't think he feels that way. And that I think that resonates with a calm, right? I think he can go into to the weekends going, I'm the best guy here. If anybody beats me, it's probably me. I, I, I will probably beat myself, if anything. And, and I've had that feeling. I, I know I've been around other guys. Like, I'll give you an example. 2008, Chad Reed. Once James Stewart left the series, he knew he was the best guy. There was no question in his mind. And he went into every weekend as calm as can be. He wasn't worried. Did he win every race? No, but he won most of them. But there was a calmness over him. as like, yeah, I, I should win. I'm the best guy here. Um, and I, I think that's where Yago is right now. Yeah, that's a, it's a really good point because obviously in that second race, you're mentioning the comfort and how he's not really feeling threatened. He was his fastest lap time was over one, like 1.5 seconds faster than the next best, which is quite, yep. quite staggering. And that's yes, a, a lot in the class. So, you know, he obviously was feeling it that day and you'd expect that he'll be doing pretty good in Sardinia this weekend too. Yeah. And, and I, yeah, of course he'll be, he'll be quick in the sand, but I, I, I truly think there will be a lot of weekends where, you know, the, by virtue of the age rule, a lot of these riders are inexperienced. They're going to have ups and downs and crashes and make, lots of mistakes you think about the amount of time yago spent at the very top of this class and how much experience he's he's gained over that those experiences and he's had his fair share of crashes too you look back over the years how many times he crashed his way out of championships you would think that some of that has he's learned that from that now and and these kids are going to be the ones that have ups and downs and 
to give him 20 points on a given weekend, it wouldn't, I wouldn't be shocked to see him have a, a pretty substantial lead by halfway, not so much by his brilliance, but just by the rest of these guys making mistakes along the way. Were you surprised with, uh, um, Kyle Wolf's performance in Argentina. I mean, he came in sort of. Uh, he came in. He came in in good form. Um, he's had a solid year behind him, and also he's obviously got Ruben, who is um, Jeffrey Herlin's, um, yep. you know, trainer for the last sort of God knows how long. Having that experience and that somebody in uh, and, and and one of the things we joked about was um, I was basically. Uh, give you some insight JT I don't know if you listened to last week's podcast but um I expect you were extremely busy although it's probably number <laughs> two on your list um is is uh Ruben basically I even mentioned the word maybe throw a whip on a jump because we'll be there to catch you and Ruben's okay. head just poked out from the side and went no whips so um, <laughs> <laughs> he so having Ruben um beside him you know maybe last week I was kind of expecting a new kind of wolf with you know um, yeah, minimal mistakes and stuff like that. Again, you could probably say put too much pressure on himself. Wanted to come in and make a statement. The, you know the usual things, and he's still very, very young. Um, yeah. Do you expect to see a different performance this week, JT, from him? He should be better. Um, I, I personally have him eventually being NMX2 world champion. Um, I think he has all of the makings of it. You see how young he is, and physically, he's already so mature. He's he's a very large kid. Um, but I think that's the, one of the most important words there is he's still a kid, right. And he's going to have weekends where things don't go right. And he's still developing and you look at him and it's hard You watch him ride. And you're like, he doesn't look like a kid, but mentally, I think he's still developing. Right. And, and to become a champion, it, it's very rare that someone can have all of the pieces put together at a very young age. And I think some things come together, you know, his speed is there techniques there his body's development is there but I, I think he's just got to take that one last step and and I think he will I, I certainly think he's much better than you know I'm looking at the results here eighth overall classification he's a much better rider than that so um, I'm sure he was frustrated I'm sure that was a very long flight home from Argentina for him um, <laughs> but yeah I, I, to your, yeah to your question yes I, I absolutely think you'll see him I, I think you'll see him on the podium quite a bit this year one of the uh, questions which, uh, when Ed said that you're joining us on the podcast, which I'm really intrigued about, is, is there any buzz at the moment for Lucas Coonan, um, who's only 16, uh, MX2? And uh, I got to spend some time with him the weekend, and uh, real fun kid, super relaxed. He's literally um, shadow boxing his dad um, in the <laughs> back, messing about. Um, literally just having fun. Super yeah. nice parents, really good people around him. I, like I hate to put comparisons, but he did remind me of um, Jet back when Jet hit um, yeah. it hit the GPS. And and I, again, I don't want to throw comparisons out there because that is a ridiculous comparison to put on to anybody. Sure, but it would, yeah. I, I would say it's more of his um, his personality and his just relaxed actually right. to race um is there is there any talk of him over in the u.s at the moment yeah you i think it's more of people just discovering him right and and that's the the big names in mxgp and the top few guys in mx2 a lot of people are familiar with but it's these rising stars and maybe the guys just on the the verge of breaking out that 
people are learning about. So it's more when I, when I hear about him or I'm asked, it's more of people inquiring about him. They don't know much. They maybe saw a flash. They saw something in EMX or something that was like, that may be something there, but they don't know a lot. So it's, it's interesting to see that kind of develop and we'll see where it goes. But yeah, you, you hear, again, you hear more questions and answers at this point. Um, but just, yeah, it's like, what's going on with this, this kid and what's happening there. I just, and, and so, yeah, it's, it's good for him, right. To have American interest there already um, is, is a really positive sign for him. But yeah, it's, there's, I, but it's not anything new. Anybody. I mean, I remember in 2018, uh, being at Otobiano and Jet won a moto in EMX. And I came home and I'm like, everybody's like, who is that? Is he related to Hunter? I'm like, uh, yeah, it's his little brother. Like that, but that's where we're at with yeah. Kunin is, is people are just asking about him, you know? So we'll see. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's certainly a massive talent, isn't he, James? And obviously you finishing EMX 250 last year, he won seven of the last eight motos, three of the last four overalls. And then uh, three of three of his preseason rounds, he won as well, which you're saying you can't take too much stock in JT. And he obviously didn't do that well in Argentina, just sort of had mistakes and a bit of bad luck and definitely didn't perform yeah. to his potential. But I, I had a chat to him probably after that first win in Spain in the preseason. And he was just so calm and composed, like talking to like he's only 16 and. Uh, that sort yep. of struck me was uh, like most 16 year olds. You think back to when we were 16, we're a bit sort of pretty loose and not that focused. Maybe you, <laughs> you probably a bit more than, than me and James, but um, yeah, he was just very dedicated. He, he knew that he knew the sacrifices his dad was and his family made and they were just so determined to him and, him and his brother too. Obviously he's a Red Bull KTM Sasha. So yep. He, yep. he missed with it with an injury, but yeah, the dedication and the focus were the key things that, I took away from that and he's basically like, well, we're here to, we're here to be pros and we want to be awesome. So put the work in now um, and and the rest should follow. And obviously they plan to go to Supercross in a couple of years and they'll keep an eye on that. And they're with the same agency as the Lawrence brothers. And um, yep. yeah, it's just really just keep a track of their, their season. But I think obviously Lucas is probably a little bit ahead with his riding and development than Sasha, who's a little bit more of an action packed sort of powder keg, little pocket rocket. So We'll just keep keep an eye on them, mate. But it, it'll be interesting, won't it, James? Yeah, definitely. I'm. Mean, I, it's they've they've kind of piqued my interest as well. But you know, obviously, we, he had a fantastic start um, in in race one. In uh, you fully expected him to sort of go on from that. Obviously, he, he, you know, crashed in the first corner, which was second yeah. corner, which was after the waves. But um, MX two is is definitely is going to develop quite nicely. The one thing that's really exciting me, JT, and I don't know about you, but uh is the mxgp series the 2021 we were we were very fortunate to have um that three-way tie um you, you know it was it was fantastic racing we were just so lucky i think one of the best world championships that uh we've been involved in however yep. this year it's looking like that once more i i you know it's a real shame about tim um because you add him into it as well and like it's ridiculous but one thing which uh you know is, is hard to explain to people is how deep that top 15 is when you've got winners you've got podium um you know that top 15 is you know it's we're we're literally 
we have so many riches in MXGP at the moment that when you've got people like Brent Van Donick, uh, who probably most people in America probably don't really know too much, but has the potential mm-hmm. of getting a podium. So it, it, do you think, do you agree? Do you think this this championship is is uh, shaping up to be one of the most exciting in recent years? Well, there's so much parody, right? And uh, just watching, reviewing the race again, you're there. It's really deep right now. And, um, the, the big fear I have that would spoil your party of this amazing championship is if Jeffrey finds form early and <laughs> for him to have not raced for 16 months, really come out and be right at the front had to be a bit scary for everyone else. Um, because he really didn't have a great off season. He wasn't dominant at these preseason races and then we go to the first GP and he's right near the front. No, he didn't win, but I think whether you're Seward or Fevra or whoever fancies himself as, as world champion in 2023, you wanted to see a Jeffrey that was, you know, off on the back foot, struggling a bit, looking for bike settings, not fit. That wasn't the Jeffrey that I saw. And, you know, knowing Jeffrey's personality, he left Argentina going, yeah, you guys are in big trouble because I'm nowhere near a hundred percent yet. And I'm already right there. Like the wind was right in front of me. Um, and, and I'm not even prepared yet. So that I think if, if you're hoping for a, a really tight championship, you hope that Jeffrey doesn't, doesn't find his best form early on, or he could, he could make it, uh, he could make it a boring series. That's all. If he stays healthy, you know, that's been the story with Jeffrey Hurlings, his entire career is, He's great when he's on his bike, but he's had a hard time year after year doing that. So um, I'm a big Jeffrey Hurlings fan. I have to put that on the front end of the conversation. I, I When I watch him ride, I sometimes don't understand how he's doing what he's doing. Um, so it'll, it's going to be interesting to watch it all unfold. But I would be remiss if I didn't say that I expected more from, from Roman Febra. So I really thought this was his opportunity when you look at Tim gets hurt. You know, Febra has had so much success in the series. I think Kawasaki has done a great job of kind of throwing everything at his effort. They, they really want to win that championship. Um, and then you look at Jeffrey's not prepared. I, I thought it was an opportunity for Roman to come in and, and really kind of establish himself early and say, like, this is my championship. Who's going to try to take it away from me? And he just wasn't quite there. So I, I don't know if it was a the track, you know, that track is so unique. It's so fast. There's really no lines that are established. It's just this flowing kind of, uh, it, it's unlike any racetrack that, you know, I, I don't know that I've ever ridden anything like that. So I try not to get too carried away and be victim of the moment from what I saw on one weekend, because a lot of the racetracks will be nothing like that. And, and we're going to go to a completely different dynamic, you know, in Sardinia this weekend. So everything that we think we know in all of these trends that we're like, so, tuned into could completely get blown up and blander could go one, one and we don't know anything anymore. And so. what the hell? Yeah. Thanks Calvin. Right. Um, so the, uh, you're quite right because again, we, we talk about how great Jeffrey Hurland's in sand, but you can't dismiss how good Fevra is in sand anymore. You know, he, yeah. he's really, really upped his game in, in, in his one yeah. of the fastest he, riders out there. Yeah, so I, I I give him a ton of credit for really devoting himself to improving his sand skill. Um, I remember hearing him talk about that so much as he knew to be world champion in, in today's racing, the sand couldn't be a liability. It just, you have to be better in it. And you can see it. He, he has improved so much in the sand 
going back to Wommel when I was there a couple of years ago, he made it like his mission in life to win Wommel because that would be such a statement to win in the sand. Um, so you can, you can see those, you know, those results or that work that he's put in starting to pay off in the results as well. Yeah. I, last week's track, um, I think what happened to Jeremy really kind of hit home to a few riders that, okay, let's not go too, too crazy out there. We can get caught at any moment. I think what happened to Tim really shocked um, Jeffrey because that's the first thing he spoke to me about at Hawkstone was the fact yeah. that he's seen what happened to Tim and he's like, do you know what? For the first four rounds, it's just a case of if opportunity presents itself, I will take it. If it doesn't, I am not going to push that envelope because I've seen what's happened to Tim. I need to get back to, yep. to this is a long, he, he looks at his 60 races this year because of the qualifying. Right. But again, that's all, well, it's all said and done. But when <laughs> the gate drops and you, you're in that position yeah. and we see what happened, he took, he took full, you know, the opportunity fully uh, in Argentina on a very, very uh, strange and sketchy track, super fast, but lots of square edges. But so Sardinia could actually give us a little bit more of an inkling into what we're going to see this year, because you, again, say Calvin comes out and goes one, one, that'll blow our minds. Um, but again, is it expected? Is it not? I do not know. Um, can a guy do that, do that, you know, lightning strikes twice, but then you've got February, you've got Sewer, you've got, um, you've obviously got Hurlins. Prado. Um, Prado, Prado, I mean, Prado's yeah. coming yeah. to form. Fernandez. An amazing yeah. Sam Ryder. And he's just spent an extended period um, with Caroli, uh, obviously in um, uh, Lommel, just pounding out the laps. So, um, you know, uh, Adria, uh, Andrea and Adamo basically said that him and Jorge have just spent so much time now in um, in, in Lommel just to, to, to brush up on that. So yep. we, we've we got a, a, a good race coming up this weekend because it's still anybody's it but it will give us an inclination hey into how this championship's going to develop i think so but i'm also very much prepared to be fooled um i think we're going to leave certain weekends thinking we know what to expect moving forward and it's gonna be a complete misnomer because these tracks are so different um that's one of the most unique or the most interesting aspects of mxgp to me is the different terrains you know Pro motocross in America, the tracks are very similar. The, the soil is very similar on purpose. You know, they try to make them very similar. But in MXGP, it's not. You go from Argentina in that very specific set of circumstances to the sand of Rayo Asardo this weekend. Then, we'll, you know, we'll transition to these French tracks that are hard and ruddy. Um, Toichenthal, you know, it's that unique, hard, slippery. Sort of like, there's so many different things. It's hard to weave one of these tracks and think we've all got to figure it out because we're going to completely switch countries and terrains and cultures the next weekend. And all those results might get flipped on their head. So I'm, I'm prepared to not know what's going to happen. And, and that <laughs> might be the best, that might be the best part is that there's going to be a lot of unpredictability. Okay. So um, I know you've got to go. So, um, and we do appreciate, appreciate your time. Um, so can we get your uh, top three predictions for MX2 and uh, MXGP? We're going to put you on the spot. Yep. I, so I have to pick Yago to win. Um, I would, I just, I think he's the best rider and it, these are conditions that he should do really well in. Um, I think that Kai will bounce back and I, I'm, I've been going back and forth between Kai second and Van de Mosteik third or vice versa. Um, so I'll give, I'll give Kai the benefit of the doubt, bounce back ride. I'll put him second and then I will go uh, Rowan in the sand uh, as third. 
Uh, and then the MXGP class, I think Jeffrey gets it done. I think he, uh, he may not win by 30 seconds, but I think over the course of the weekend, I think he'll prove that he's the best sand rider in the world and come out on top. Um, I'll give, uh, man, I'll give Febra some credit and say he gets it done and finds a way to get second. Um, but I, I don't have a lot of conviction there because I just didn't see a lot of fire in his riding. Um, and then uh, let's let's give Calvin a nod. Coming back, yeah. have a lot of confidence, uh, and, and I think he'll he'll end up in third. The one rider before I sign off here that I wanted to mention that I'm I'm so impressed with is uh, Maxime Renault. Um, I don't know how this weekend goes. It's not necessarily a prediction for this particular racetrack, but watching him in Argentina, watching him at the Motocross of Nations this past year, and watching him early rounds of last year. That guy has something special. Um, his ability to move through the pack. And when I, I didn't expect much from him last year, and he seemingly didn't care the names that were around him. He would just pass them, no problem, get out of my way, aggressively pass them um, with seemingly no worries. Like He, he doesn't seem intimidated at all. So um, I, I'm just so wildly impressed by him. And I was very wrong. Uh, I thought it was a mistake for him to move up in 2022. I thought he should have stayed down, gained more experience, been defending champion. And yeah, his speed and technique and, and maturity, uh, I've just been wrong every step of the way. So I wanted to uh, definitely mention him. And I think there are great things in his future. Yeah, I, I've got to be honest, JT, um, it, and I'm going to throw it out there now, but he is my, um, and this is this is, this is is going to go crazy. I know I'm going to get slated for this, but he's my pick for 2023 uh, world champion. I, um, I can understand why. Yeah, I spent some time with him in December and um, he, the training he does with Kenny Van Duren, um, he's so strong mentally, but he's so strong physically. And uh, we spent some time in the gym and stuff like that. And, and just talking to him, his mindset, and, and I asked him the question, can you be 2023 world champion? And he just looked me straight in the eye and said, absolutely. You know, I, I've yeah. got this. I know what yeah. I need to do. Um, he's super impressive as a person, you know, he made me a yeah. believer. I only spent a day with him and I was like, uh, you know, a big fan. So, um, I think I, I agree with you. I think he's, there's something there and, and in Argentina up until that point with the mistake in the waves, um, right. he was knocking nearly a second off of everybody else, um, in his laptop and he was coming yep. through and I literally had the phone in my hand saying, basically Renault wins this. And as right. I'm typing that, he loops out. So it's just the curse of the tweets. But um, <laughs> I was, again, I was really impressed with him in, in Argentina and the nations was, was, you know, you know, very impressive as well. But I, I think he's got a, a massive future in that class and he could go on I to agree. become a very dominant figure, which is obviously yeah. not good for him. Yes. I don't know that I've ever been so wrong on a rider, but um, at some point you just have to, uh, you know, admitted and, and he's much better than I ever thought he would be. And, and now I'm, I've kind of flipped to where I think the future is extremely bright for him. So um, it's, yeah, I, I didn't think he would win the championship in MX2 when he did. Uh, I remember being in uh, Majora when he was on his way to winning that title, thinking he's, he's not going to get this done. He's going to get beat. Didn't. And then I doubted him moving up and then i doubted him all the way through 2022 so i'm i'm done doubting him uh he, he's <laughs> won me over so yeah i'm uh i've completely flipped my opinion there 
Nah, that's cool. And it's a, it, it'll be interesting to see what he can do this weekend as well. Because again, if he if, if he if he gets another podium, and he can get this consistent run of results as well, because like that that's yeah. another thing. He is being consistent in this championship with so many right. incredible um, people who can actually win this. Yep, absolutely. Um, so, what's coming up for JT uh, in the next uh, few weeks? What have you got planned? Yeah, so we have uh, Seattle this coming weekend, uh, and then we get our. Well, we had one earlier, but our last weekend off for quite a while. Um, so get to actually be home and, and maybe sleep in my own bed for more than a couple nights in a row. Uh, and then, yeah, we'd have the home stretch for the end of Monster Energy Supercross and then get prepared for, for pro, pro motocross. Um, hoping to get to some MXGP events, kind of TBA on that. But yeah, it's, okay. it's just we're in, we're in the midst of it right now. It's um, keep your head down and, and keep going. I guess with the uh, the obviously the, the the Supercross job, um, everything you're doing there over in with Fly at the moment, that's, you know, we just not forget the, your 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 day job as well, JT. Yeah, yeah, um, oh yeah, I'm here at the office right now. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I'm guessing time is a premium at the moment. So again, you want to be at MXGP. I'm guessing to watch as many races as possible, but it's just yep. time's not allowing it at the moment for you. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, trying to sort out budget of where my time and obviously, um, you know, resources as well. Um, and, and, you know, our, our company was acquired in the last 18 months. So working in my responsibilities, also, um, our growth in not only Europe, but globally is a, is a huge priority for us. So making sure that I do get to spend time there and speak with the teams there and make sure, um, that, you know, we are represented not only stateside, but also in Europe and, and globally. Um, so it does spread me a little bit thin, but again, um, to an earlier point, I want to take advantage of every opportunity there is. Um, I don't want to look back when I'm old and gray and say, you know what, I wish I had, wish I had done more of that. Um, so I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna completely remove that possibility from the equation and, <laughs> And uh, just do all of it. So hopefully you'll, uh, yeah, you'll see more of more than less of me in Europe soon. No, that's good. It'd be great to catch up at some point. And just want to thank you for your time. Ed, Ed and me are super appreciative of, yeah. of you coming on and spending the time right. with us. To- yeah, yeah. Happy to, happy to be here. I'm a, I'm a regular listener. So um, yeah, it's an honor to be on. Ah, great. Thank you very much, JT. Thanks, and uh, good luck for this weekend. And um, hope to see you uh, in MXGP pit soon. Thanks. Cheers, guys. Cheers, Later, mate. Thank you. See ya. Thanks, buddy. See you later. See you. All right, guys. See ya. Huge thank you to Jason Thomas for joining us. Um, you know, what What a great guy. It's great to see uh, um, him do so well at the moment. And obviously, um, he is crushing it on Supercross. I'm pretty sure uh, everybody else out there is agreeing with me. Um, his knowledge of, of MXGP as well is so good. He spends a lot of time, uh, you know, watching the races, doing research, talking to riders. Um so he's a great person to have on on the show, Ed. Absolutely, yeah. Yep. His, his insight is just really unique because obviously he's done a lot of racing overseas, racing in America, covered the sport for years. And I think he's done a lot to bridge the gap between America and Europe with the MXGP and shining a spotlight on how how crazy these dudes and how crazy those tracks are that, that they face. So he's, he's been a massive sort of asset to MXGP as well with his commentary and just his general coverage and, and the way he sort of handles himself in a composed and measured and respectful manner that he he just really appreciates both all levels of the sport and all disciplines. And it's good that he shines, shines a spotlight on it. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, but that's the end of part one. Part one is brought to you by Parts Europe, who distributes spare parts, accessories, and rider equipment for all motorbike segments in Europe. We support the sport is fortified through four and Moose House brands and their support of world elite MX riders like Calvin Vlanderen, Jorge Prado, Lagenfelder, Guadagini, Jonas Bogers, and nine times world champion and Thor ambassador, Tony Caroli. Your parts Europe dealer has access to all the big brands for your motocross and enduro bike. Necken, Pro Circuit, FMF, ODI, Cycro, Renful, Recluse, and many, many more are in stock and ready to be shipped. Check out their website at partseurope.eu or contact your local parts Europe dealer. With a network, as with a dealer network of over 10,000 shops, we're sure there is one close to you. A uh, huge thank you to Kawasaki UK, AS3 Performance Parts, Even Strokes, Thor MX. Uh, and that concludes part one. We'll be back in five with part two. Welcome back to part two of the MX Vice show. Um, I hope you enjoyed the first segment. Um, it's great to get JT's picks as well. Uh, part two is brought to you by AS3 Performance Parts, the home of aftermarket motocross and enduro parts. From hardware and protection parts, including skid plates and radiator braces, to performance cooling parts, including silicon radiator hoses and oversized impellicates. AS3 also have a huge range of brake, clutch and gear levers, all with different features and adjustability. Check them out online at as3performance.co.uk. Uh, Ed, um, lots of uh, action going on at the weekend in national championships. Um, there was quite a lot of results. I guess everybody is kind of looking to just keep the momentum going and getting some more bike time. So um, do you want to run us down what happened the weekend? Yeah, there's certainly a lot lot to go on from obviously the Australian series, um, the Dutch, had the Spanish, the French. It's just just a really a stacked weekend of action and Obviously, the the main talking point was Jeffrey winning again, winning in Holland. Obviously, Calvin uh, was the reigning champion in that Dutch MX Dutch Masters of Motocross Championship, so he was running the number one plate. And yeah, it was he came third, and Fevre got second. So it's still it's still going to be pretty pretty interesting class to see how that goes. But it's obviously more bike time for Jeffrey and more bike time for Fevre, who who had that arm pump surgery just leading into Hawkstone prior to that, which um, you guys were on site to, to hear that news. And yeah, we, we were just saying, considering what he happened, it's pretty impressive, composed and consistent ride in Argentina. So that was where, where sort of the, the Dutch was. And and then obviously we, we had Kai DeWolf who's, yeah, he's doing really well in the preseason stuff. And now he just wants to get it right in the, in the, in the big stuff, the MX2, but yeah, Rick Elzinger and Van der Moosdijk and, Bonacorsi even getting fourth. So we've obviously spoken quite a lot about him with Lorenzo and just in general. And yeah, the speed's definitely there with him and he can, he can sort of, he's a real weapon. So watching how he goes for that title in AMX 250 will be pretty fascinating and good to see Kai Carsmakers on, on there too. And yeah, it was another good hit out for a lot of those guys, DeWolf and, and Van der Moosdijk and even Elzinger. We, we, we spoke about him saying just how he flew under the radar a bit and, not so much hype about him, but the consistency was was pretty special. Um, in the opener for his for on his official debut for that team, and you couldn't really ask for much more from him. Did you? You obviously had a sort of were around the team there. Did you have a chance to get some insights on him too? No, I didn't actually. So um, again, c- completely under the radar. So um, I'm hopefully going to speak to him in uh, Sardinia. We we'll spend some time with him in. Uh, 
try and get some uh, some good insight into um, his preseason, what he's been up to, any changes he's making, how he's gelling with that bike. But from everything that we've seen so far, uh, including the result of the weekend, it looks like he, he is at one already with that bike. Yeah, he's, he certainly looks like he settled in quickly and he's he might surprise a few people. Um, obviously, it's going to be hard to sort of knock off Yago and his teammates. But yeah, he'll be, he'll be certainly looking to be in that podium picture. And if we sort of switch the focus to the Australian Championships, obviously round one was um, cancelled tragically with, with the death of Braden Urbacher. And you know, we sort of, all our thoughts go out to his family and the, the motocross community in Australia and, and friends, they must be, be doing it really tough. So yeah, that was a, was a shock, shocking tragedy to happen. But yeah, round, round two was, was underway on the weekend it happened and around 40 degree heat. So the, the boys were certainly um, grueling swell, sweltering away there in those, in those savage conditions. But um, yeah, in the MX one class, we obviously had Tanty getting the job done level on points with Ferris, who was um, out of retirement and on a Yamaha. And obviously yeah, with his own little setup there. And it, it looks like he's, uh, he's barely been away to be honest. He was probably the fastest guy on track for sure. He had a, had a spill in one of the, the motos and um yeah he just charged back just absolutely flying pretty flawless and tanty obviously he, he, he's been had a great year last year champion and he's done some world supercross and yeah just a really polished rider on all surfaces and we we're probably looking to have a chat with him this week and it's good to see jed beaton picking up third overall um yeah just a really nice ride pretty pretty consistent a good way to ease his way back into it in those conditions which are pretty, you know, he's trained in Victoria, which is traditionally obviously it gets really hot in summer, but it's a bit colder and it might have been a little bit of a shock, especially being in Europe for so many years. It doesn't probably have to race in that sort of a condition. And then as we work, we work your way down the list, but it's it's a stacked class in Australia, the MX1. And it's probably speaking to a lot of the boys like Webster and, and Duffy and Crawford, even though he's in MX2. And yeah, they're just saying it's probably one of the most stacked in 10 years. So then you had Kirk Gibbs in, in fourth, Clout, Waters, Webster, and even Metcalf got ninth. And um, Regan Duffy had a bit of a, a, a training accident, so his hand wasn't really up to scratch, so he sort of battled on. But it was great, just a, great to see him back after that sort of near-death accident um, a little while ago. And, yeah, so he's, he's back on the gate, and so it must, be, must have been a good relief for him to get that out of the way because, obviously, James, you knew he was, he was heading to MX2 with FNH Kawasaki. Yeah, I mean, what a comeback to, to, you know, I mean, everybody, when they heard the news uh, or, you know, heard about the accident, everybody I kind of was thinking the worst. So the fact that um, he's back racing is just incredible. Um, I mean, what a story and what a warrior, crikey. The fact that he's, he's uh, you know, it's just great to hear, you know, like, like there's so many people, uh, um, you know, over the weekend, I think, um uh, Jack Lindsay in, in the UK broke his tib in Fib and uh, you know motocross is is insanely dangerous we all know the danger when we you know throw the leg over the bike and stuff like that but the speeds that these guys go in um, it's, that, it's dangerous enough for me who's sort of just wobbling around in, in, in third gear uh, let alone um, you know what these guys are doing in MXGP and national races so um, yeah just great just great to hear Regan Duffy and hopefully he will get that shot again in MXGP so um, I think it's just going to be a, a, a long a yeah. long old uh, recovery for him but hopefully he can get back to where he where he was yeah because he's a super like have a, like had the interview with him a while back and you can just tell the focus and the the motivation and the drives there and 
you know, he, he, it's kind of handy for him being such a huge man that he's he's been riding 450 since he was like, you know, 15, 16. And, you know, it's, it's not that age rules just taken out of the equation for him. So it's, it's, he's got that time in Australia. He can, he can be patient and just, just develop. Let's just get back to where he was at a, at a gradual pace. There's no time pressures. So, and you can see him, right? He's, he's, he's an absolute beast, but he's got that sort of power and finesse where his dad, he was saying his dad used to sit, sit him down and watch Leah, um, Stefan Everts, obviously. And that's where he gets that technique from, a lot of standing up and just pretty smooth and precise and that get that technique down first and the speed comes later. So, yeah, to, to see him doing just back on the gates, a massive success. And, yeah, I think he, he did a little post. And so I'd encourage everyone to to check that out um, on Instagram because, yeah, it's just one of the feel-good stories, which you don't see too often. And just to quickly charge over to MX2, obviously Nathan Crawford, he had the points taken away because they did one did run one moto in the opener, um, the MX2 class before everything got cancelled. So he, he had his points taken away and, yeah, so he was he was flawless on the weekend and um, just really looked strong. Just looked great on that new KTM. He, they've been doing some great work on the bike from from all reports, and they've really got it in a good place. And he looked fully at it, you know, fully fired up and charged. And he had this crazy little inside line on one of the turns where he was like, I think he passed like four or five blokes just on like one of the didn't get the best start, and he just scorched around. And then he was just getting past every guy pretty much, and he laid it on Wilson Todd, obviously. Uh, he, he was very good and he probably would still be an MX2 if not for the, the age rule situation. But yeah, that last year, Wilson Todd had an MX2. He was getting top fives and looking really good. And um, yeah, so he, he'll probably, he's a reigning champ and he's been in Supercross this year. So he's got a pretty cool program going. And they, yeah, Crawford will be looking to, to snatch it off him, even though he's got a bit of a deficit to work with. And yeah, there's some exciting talent in that class. Brody Connolly, Connolly the, the Kiwi, who's, Who's on your Reeves team as well? He he was third overall. Reese Bard, Barham, and Caden Minio. Just a young bloke. I think he's only fifteen, maybe. He, he's six overall KTM um, rider and won the MX3 class last year. Just a super talent. Um, probably one to look out for in the future to to come over to Europe or maybe hit the Supercross scene. So yeah, there's a lot of lot of pretty good talent in Australia coming through, which you know maybe our listeners overseas might know about. But it's definitely exciting times all over the world, mate. And do you, do you have a few insights on, um, you obviously know Wilson Todd um, from from his MX GP paddock days in MX2? Yeah, I've been quite lucky. I think, uh, you know, with um, with Australian riders, you kind of gravitate to them because A, they speak English and um, and uh, B, uh, you know, they're just easy, relaxed in, in, in simple. So like to, to talk to, so, um, you know, they love motocross. Um, they, they also, um, have some funny stories from, um, you know, tra- trampsing around, uh, uh, Europe trying to get fight food, which is uh, normal and everything else. So, um, yeah, it, it is one of those things that you do. I have got to know quite, quite a few Australian um, riders over, over the years of being in MXGP. Um, but yeah, great to see Jeb Beaton, um, you know, grabbing a podium the weekend. What one of the things which is is uh, quickly from from obviously talking to you and 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 reading a lot of the articles and and listening to the interviews that you're doing with riders is the depth in the Australian series at the moment is so so good. And I know that we've got like people like you know Ferris and and, and Waters who are, who are coming back and and people are going to know these guys. You know, Todd Waters was on the uh anti-pyrenees ice one uh ktm team at the same time that nate watson was was on there so 
you know, they, these these are great riders. You know, they've they've been there, seen it, done it. You know, Wilson Todd. You, you know, we we know all about his uh, resume, and you know, been over to Supercross this year and everything else. But then you got these young kids coming through, um, and there's some scary young kids. And you've only got to look at the talent, which you know, Australia have got you know second in the in the motocross nations. Um, you know, last year, you know, Australia's is deep. It is getting deep and um, they're going to be there or thereabouts in the motocross nations for the next 10 years. Yeah. So, if we'd, um, obviously we're pretty set with the Lawrence boys and, and Mitch and, or Jed and, and Kyle Webster. And it's pretty exciting speaking to both of those guys as well. The Areve's going to give them the opportunity uh, if, if the schedule works out when fit to, to do some MXGP and an AMA motocross round. So I think they, they were looking forward to that, see how they stack up against you know, those world hitters. But like it's it's kind of a consequence of MXGP. Once you get past the factory teams, those those privateer rides, private team rides per se, they're not sort of you know it's hard to make a really good living off those, and it's you know, you've got to stay fit as well to probably make the money with the bonuses and and however their their deals and gear are structured. So to come back home is a viable option for those guys to have a secure um, you know lifestyle and secure sort of uh, financial and, and personal balance. So. And it's not so bad coming to Australia. But, yeah, the series is definitely um, pumping at the moment, and it's really exciting. It's a good TV package that's going on. It's on free-to-air TV. It's also on a on a paid um, one, which probably doesn't help many people that are overseas. But, yeah, it's 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 very good. It's run very nicely, and, yeah, they're doing a great job with it all, and the coverage is is pretty excellent. So we, we'll keep an eye on it. The, the only problem is there's, a, there's only eight or so rounds, and they sort of have to spread them out throughout sort of you know there's like sometimes a month between each round which probably isn't so good for the fans and the riders um probably you know it's unavoidable but it sort of ruins that continuity if you have a week where you win you got to wait another month or a couple of weeks for you get another hit out but um yeah it's shaping up as a good a really good series and obviously to mention another talented guy who are who our listeners will be familiar with bailey malkowitz we, we had a, had a chat to him yesterday and yeah he's obviously out injured at the moment had a big one um, at the Supercross in Australia, so expect maybe a couple of months out for him, and then he'll he'll be ready for the Aussie Supercross series. But he's another young guy, former junior world champion, came over with the one one four motorsports team, and you know he did his. I remember seventh was his best in a second moto at Mantua in twenty twenty, and yeah, he he was battling with um you know Yago and that kind of thing back then, and riding with a with a blown knee, so that he that he obviously could, wanted to get fixed, but he was like, well, I got to take the chance, so I'll keep riding through the pain. So he's another guy to probably look out for in the future and just to see if he can, just the injuries have costed him a lot. And like so many in this sport and he, yeah, he loves watching his supercross and he's, he's big fan. He wants to sort of maybe channel his uh, energies towards that going forward. Cause he's a very talented, big man, talented. So he was going to head into the MX one class just to add another name to that list. So it should be pretty good, mate. And it's uh, they might be wanting to get an international package together soon. <laughs> well, um, that that takes us nicely into um, the next topic, which I wanted to talk to you about, because I think we're going to see, well, hopefully we're going to see a lot more of these Australian riders um, featuring the, the upcoming WSX Championship. So, um, it, yeah, as much as we're, you know, on one hand, we're talking about, you know, Supercross, you know, and, and, and that's developing nicely. And we have our SMX uh, breakdown show with Ben and Brad on, on a Monday with lots of guests. I think we've had Darian, Max and Woodcock. Uh, Woodcock, we've had some some great guests in there, and we're, you know, and we we'll keep pushing um, 
uh, with those guests as well. I really want to, I, I need to speak to the guys because I'd really like to see Kevin Rands on, um, on one of the podcasts as well, yeah. break it down. So, uh, uh, I'm a big fan of what he's doing at the moment and also Clay class. And so, um, yeah. uh, that that would be pretty cool but anyway so um obviously we got supercross going we got mxgp going and then literally um which is seems to be getting ever so you know ever closer is the wsx championship so obviously we've got villa park which is um i think it's july the 2nd um which kicks off so which is going to be absolutely amazing so um I can't wait for that. And and there's going to be announcements coming up with riders and bits and pieces, but you've got to believe that there's, there's got to be a lot of Australian um, supercross riders, which have got to be looking at this as a great way of breaking or putting their uh, name out there for MXGP and, 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 you know, possible supercross rides in the future. So um, Mm. it'd be interesting to see who takes up for those opportunities. Hey. Yeah, it'd be good. Obviously, Reeve and um, the CDR Yamaha team, maybe they've got teams entered in it. And, you know, your likes of um, Clout and Tanty are very accomplished Supercross riders. And then Webster and, and Wilson Todd and these kind of dudes. And and obviously, Anstey's going to be in it and, and Brayton, we're, we're hoping. And it's going to be pretty cool. And obviously, those guys, the Honda guys with your Reeve, have done some training at the MTF Millsaps facility. So you just look at Wilson Todd, how far he's come on uh, in recent times with that stuff. And, yeah, your Reeve certainly does does everything he can for those riders to give them all the opportunities, and he's he's all in. You know, he's just so motivated and passionate. That um, yeah, people love working for him, and he gets the best out of them, and he gives them the resources and the the conditions to thrive. So yeah, it should be pretty cool. It's a good chance for those Aussies, and even you guys like um like Malkowitz, we were saying that they can they can maybe even get a fill in ride if you know obviously with the injuries and once they be, become healthy, and there's just options in the sport now, isn't there, mate? So it gives Absolutely. more riders more money, more opportunities, um, just to showcase themselves and make a living. And and obviously those WXX guys are, are probably going to look for probably they've probably got some pretty cool announcements on the way with um, riders and and things that they're they're securing. They they obviously probably won't get Roxon back at this point, but um, they'll still have a, a great gate. And yeah, you know, I'd imagine they'd be looking in the future to get like a Marvin Muscan or and Cooper Webb when he, you know, he might be doing outdoors, I, I believe. But um, yeah, once they move away from outdoors, because a lot of the guys, it's, they like the Supercross, don't they, mate? Like Max Dancy, he's, he's doing the Aussie Supercross, the AMA Supercross and the World Supercross. And that's, it's a viable opportunity and a way to, to do it these days, isn't it? Which can only be a good thing. Yeah. Well, interestingly, I've got a, a, an interview with Max lined up tomorrow. So um, I'll be able to find out a little bit more information about um, WSX. And uh, over the next month, I think there's going to be quite a few announcements. So um, it'll be interesting to hear where those guys are going. And um, yeah, personally, I can't wait to see, uh, and I've wanted this for a long time, but basically a Supercross in uh in a football stadium in a soccer stadium i should say yeah. um yeah. but you know that, that that's a very very cool thing for the uk because i'm a massive tottenham fan i'm really into into football as, as you know like yourself so um the fact that you know it lends these football stadiums are amazing they would lend themselves quite nicely to um to a supercross event so uh, i think it's going to be the closest you know cardiff worked out really well and it's the closest that we get to seeing something on that scale if you know the only way the only other way you get to do that is by go to america so um and and not everybody has the ability or Mm. or you know especially you know money's tight at the moment with a lot of people so 
the fact yeah. that they can go to Villa Park in the UK and in, in uh, obviously they got the, the 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 French round as well. You know, you know that that's going to be crazy. Yeah. So um, it's going to you know good time. So I'll I'll know a little bit more tomorrow from from Max and we'll we'll find out about uh you know what he's up to. But I, you know you got to believe that the the Supercross route that he's taken is is going to give his career some longevity. Yeah, it's good. Obviously, you just see what it's done for Brayton. and that's probably the the glowing example. And um, obviously, it'll be interesting to see. Like, people love uh, Justin Bogle and and you know Shane McElrath and Savachi, and there's just a Freezy. You'll probably be back, and there's there's still some really good riders, even though they're not the elite of the elite. It's still going to be great racing, and 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 they're doing everyone a favor, like they're probably doing the AMA Supercross a favor by spreading it out to the world because people come and see it in person, and it's like. Wow, their their minds sort of really open to to how crazy it is, not just watching on TV and the, the things that they have to navigate and the, all the processing that goes on mentally, making split decisions. And you know, it's one thing going fast when there's no one around you, but having the competitors and those and the starts, it's like really for people that maybe aren't into the sport, it would be a real eye opener. So they'll be just bringing in more fans for the sport and in general, not just WSX. I, it's, it's quite funny actually because th- this year I've kind of um, made it my mission to try and get to s- as many different rounds as possible, and, and when I mean that, I, I kind of mean in a way that um, we're, we're organising to get to uh, for MX Vice to get to one of the ADAC rounds in Germany, um, and we're going to follow the the KTM Sarholz team for a weekend. So um, Jacoby and Starry, um, and we're working with. Um, with, with uh, Benjamin, um, who does all the social media marketing and bits and pieces, really friendly team. I want to do that. I want to go over to um, to France and, and maybe and spend some time with Orban and, and get a French elite round. I really want to spend this year trying to to get different perspectives from different championships because I've kind of spent so much time in the UK, um, you know, having to. You know, do the British Championship, and, and everybody knows my passion for for UK motocross, and I have to spend a long time keep my mouth shut um, yeah. because it gets me in a lot of trouble. Um, but I am actually very interested in trying to sample in you know, WSX. I want to get over to an outdoor national in in America. So uh, I hope my wife's not listening to this because um, I obviously <laughs> am filling up quite a few weekends here. But I am my my goal this year is to do the GPs, but to try and get in as many national races as is possible, and just trying to get a, a bit of a, a sample and an idea of um, you know what these champions are like. I think Australia might be too much for me this year. Yeah. They yeah, would definitely yeah, end up, of course. Help me out there, mate. <laughs> but um, do you know what? I'd I'd love to get over next year. Um, maybe we can have a bit of an MX Vice weekend and in and yeah. uh, and get you and the wife out there, and and maybe I can actually tempt yeah. my wife to come to a motocross event, which uh, would be interesting. Yeah. Um, so uh, given that she just hates it, <laughs> so. Uh, no, but it's you know Australian season, you know series is strong. You, you know you look at what the the, the, the Dutch, British on uh, the weekend was obviously the the results are pretty impressive. It was great to see gifting and coolest, and especially gifting obviously locking in that team just re- recently the four two six motorsports. And you know it's it's a bit of a shame really not see him in MX two, but hopefully they can work out a way to do some select rounds and all that kind of thing. Um, yeah, he's just such a good rider to because he would have been like. Judging on his before the injury, he, he was probably podium guy like along that sort of Harrop level, I'd say. So it's exciting, but sort of he probably at least he's got something. He's probably where he's at. 
Yeah, it's it's a it's a strange one that because I, it's it's amazing that no MXGP teams or sorry M, MX2 teams came in from MXGP to um to to sign him up. Even you know he's a great talent. Uh, I I personally don't think he's got much competition in in the British Championship this year. Mm-hmm. But you know absolutely. Um, Full marks to to Anthony Scary, who is, um, you know, literally just put a, a team together again after winning the British Championship with Conrad Muse last year. Obviously, has a massive appetite for um, <laughs> for the sport because the amount of money um, Anthony puts into the sport is is phenomenal. And without people like him, mm. uh, you know, you, you don't you, these opportunities don't happen for riders so and you know that he's he's putting a lot of money into um into why is that gifting riding so it'd be great to chat to him at some point to find out how this deal came apart but i heard great things about the track yesterday um the oak hanger track um it was just not so great with 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 everything else Mm. um which which is a real shame because um you know unfortunately the british championship is an elite championship it does get judged uh, against the ADAC, against uh, the Dutch Championship, against the Australian, you know, other yeah. national championships, and um, and you know when when like simple things like uh, lifetime in in things like that, and people are crowded around a laptop um, in 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 the pits is uh, trying to get times or, or waiting half an hour for a printout to even yeah. find out where you've qualified uh, is not kind of you know. Is, is not what quite people expect at that yeah. level. I think that's probably the best thing to say. And the um, appetite, just looking at the the numbers uh, on the website purely, like it's it's got as much an appetite as Supercross. The people love, obviously being a UK-based site, people absolutely love anything UK motocross. So it's definitely well, like you're, you're not having to go at them when you're just making constructive criticisms because all you want is the best for the sport. And they, they, I'm, I'm sure they're taking that on. Hopefully, because it's a mag- it's a great series, mate. Like you look at the riders, you know, Kulis, Muse, Gilbert, Simpson, Monticelli, like Tommy Searle. Like it's it's crazy, mate. Like the the talent is unbelievable this year, and it's like the Australian series is it's stacked. So people like I would have people everywhere want to watch it, and people in America want to watch it, and it's just where I watched most of it all last year, and it was brilliant. So that's just want to spread the message, really spread the word, because it's great. Yeah, I think that's the the, the most frustrating thing. You, again, I can't, you know, I brought up the MXGP figures. Um, the UK is the fourth most visited. You know, the, on, on the MXGP website and MXGPT, the UK is fourth. I mean, it's such a small country, but the appetite for motocross and supercross is insane. Um, and and you know, it's. You know we're we're quite lucky we're you know a, a UK based uh, website. However, you know um, we have a, a, a Australian editor and a, and a Dutch a videographer. So yeah. um, and Ben and Ben obviously Ben Rumble based there, and he was at the race on the weekend. And his report, I, I usher anyone to to head to the site to read it because he's doing a brilliant job covering it. But yeah, like you said, it's it is it is a series that's got some serious interest. Yeah, it's it's and it always has done. I mean, you only have to look at the riders that's competed in the in the championship. It's just frustrating that uh, we're, you know, I've been I've been doing this since 2011 on the media side. Before that, um, I was never present watching the British Championship and going to you know GPs and bits and pieces as a fan. So it's just frustrating that it's the same same old same old. Um, you know, 12 years on. So it's uh, I, I'm fed up of talking about. Um, 
you know, t- talking about it. But um, I think that's for, for me. I'd, I'd like to, I'd like to go out and see as me- in, in get as many of these different championships under my belt and, and really sort of spend some time there and, and, and just see how other people are doing it. Who knows? Maybe um, I'll, I'll start a championship one day. I've already done it before with MX Nationals, so um, yeah, maybe, maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll start a championship in the UK. Who knows? Yeah, well, Mattia Guadagnini might sign up, mate, under under the coach. The coach, <laughs> yeah. Who knows? <laughs> um, I quite like the idea. Yeah, maybe I can get Monster involved. Maybe coach Monster Energy <laughs> Cup. Yeah, for, uh, for 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 the UK. Maybe that'd be quite cool. Um, Ed, uh, before I start going on and in, in, in digging myself in a big hole and uh, people calling me, um, let's call it a day. Um, yeah, or a quick, quick MXGP picks, mate, before we go. Obviously, Sardinia coming up this weekend and talking about Matea. Obviously, it was the race he transferred onto the, the 450. Obviously, step up from MX2. He didn't do so well at Majora. Then they made that step. Let's do it. Hit the 450 for uh, Sardinia. And he, he, he did really well. And he, he showed that he was, it was a good choice. He vindicated the team's decision. And yeah, he, he'll obviously be be keen to go well back full circle. And, yeah, there's, it's going to be hard to pick the winner this weekend, mate, because the sand oh. throws up a whole other sort of um, obstacles and there's people that shine in it and others that don't. And, yeah, who, who have you got? Well, talking to JT earlier just completely confused yeah. me because I was kind of like, I've seen what I've seen in Argentina. I I. I I seen how difficult the track was, how fast it was, and how completely different Rayola is to um to Argentina. And I've looked at the preseason, like you know, not preseason, but yeah, take preseason results in in you know with a pinch of salt. But obviously, national championships weekend, Hurlins Banks and back, Flander and third, Fevre second. We know that uh, Fevre still got uh, a little way to go. We know that Hurlins has still got a little way to go. Uh, we know that Renault is on fire and. You know, flying. We know that Vlanderen could just upset the apple cart like he did last year. Yeah, Bogus, um, Van Donick. It's just Bogus, Van Donick. Yeah, um, Prado. I mean, Prado. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's. I'd it's, say he's probably the pick at the moment, but it's just too hard, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, if you're going on form, uh, I. Oh, do you know what I would? Even Ben Watson, he, he could do some pretty good damage there too, mate. Yeah. Do you know what the from? You know, I think we would have seen a way better result in Argentina than we did with Ben. I mean, he was showing real good. He mm. looked really good as well. And that was basically when he had nothing left. He was empty from yeah. the food poisoning. Yeah. So um, he's going to be in Italy with his team. The The team yeah. seems to suit him. It's so relaxed. I said about on last week's show. Yeah, it's, it's looking good. But I, I think if I'm going to be, I'm going to, it out there. I really don't want to be influenced by JT, but he makes a lot of sense with his picks. So I'm going to go. I'm going to go MX2. I'm going to go. I'm going to go Gertz. I'm going to go the Wolf because I can't believe he's going to have the same. I think we're going to see uh, a different the Wolf. Yeah, Gertz the Wolf, and then. I'm going to throw throw one out there. Uh, I'm going to go Adamo. And the reason oh, why I'm yeah. going to go Adamo is because he looked really good in Argentina and he is very excited about his um, time in Lommel. I think he wants yeah. to show people about his improvements in sand. So I'm going to go for Adamo for, for um, a third overall, which will put him quite nicely placed in mm. the championship. 
So, um, and then MXGP, uh, I Herlins looks great. He looks yeah. absolutely fantastic. I still don't think he is where he wants to be. And that bike, um, he was saying he's not quite. 100% on a, in sand yet. Obviously, he's got a pretty dialed on harder surfaces, but not quite there with the sand. Yeah, so I, uh, as much as I, th- you know, he could win and he probably will win, um, I'm going to go with a, I'm going to go with, um, I'm going to go Fevra. Mm. I'm going to go Fevra, Prado, and Fevra, Prado, Hurlins. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty and the reason pretty I'm good. Doing, reason I'm going to do that is because I think Herlins will he'll probably end up winning it. Um, I'm just playing it down, but I think he will he will still be steady, steady. So, yeah. um, yeah, that's where I am. What about your picks? Yeah, I think I think I'm going to go with. I, I like the Prado. Obviously, he's obviously very proficient in sand, and then maybe Jeffrey second, and then we'll. Maybe someone like Bogers. I think he he showed a bit quite a good speed in that second race. I don't think everything's quite as good as it was for Calvin this time, you know, around at Sardinia. But he could easily do what he did last year. And yeah, it's going to be hard hard to pick. That's for sure. And we're not even mentioning Coldenhoff. Like, well, he, he and Jonas, yeah, and Jonas. It's just Jonas. Like Jonas could surprise yeah. everyone. He's like, yeah. get his results last year. He was unhappy on the on the Hasparna. Yeah, um, he looked pretty good. Honda, didn't he? He, he looked really good in Argentina. He just looked super smooth uh, and super happy as well. So, um, holy shit. You see what I mean? It's like, yeah. it's crazy because, you know, Jonas could actually do very, very well. And even like getting a 10th, obviously the riders aren't happy about it. But from a from a viewer's perspective, it's like it's not really that bad achievement. When you look at who the guys are going to be ahead of you, it's like, yeah. So that's tough. But MX2, I think oh, you can't really go past Yago at this point. And then I'm... I'm gonna go DeWolf and maybe Lucas Kernan, because yeah, it's he's obviously pretty good on that stuff too. And yeah, but like you say, Liam Everts could could do something to obviously his mistakes in the first round. And yeah, it's it's Van der Moosdijk and Elzinger. It's just where do you where do you sort of Benest on? There's too many, isn't there, mate? So yeah, I think yeah. those picks will throw up some interesting things. And just seeing how Ruben goes after winning, obviously not holding the points lead, but winning the the overall. See how he backs that up will be pretty interesting too. Yeah, definitely. Again, there's going to be riders which are coming in um, with uh, major momentum. And we've not even, you know, we, we talked about Renault with JT, but we, you know, neither of us have picked him in in our yeah. uh, our picks. And again, he could do well. Jonas could do well. Uh, it, I mean, that's what we've been talking about. We've been talking about the depth of this class. And we didn't even the- really just scrape Brent Van Donick. Obviously, he's very good in the sand as well. And even you said great Alvin Usland, it's like he could do some pretty nice things and Ben Watson and it'll just be great to see and just when the when the gate drops we'll find out. But you can hypothesize forever and not get not really come to a, a sort of unanimous decision <laughs> because it's just so many options. But that'll be a good one, mate, and you'll be there. Yeah, yeah, we'll be there. Um we've uh all everything's been booked today, funny enough. So um uh yeah, we've uh I think we're it's it's again it's not an easy place to go mm. to because you have to uh fly into Rome and then get uh, a flight from Rome to uh Sardinia. So try to find direct flights from Amsterdam in, in the UK and stuff like that in uh no go. So um wow. yeah, in Thursday, um and uh and uh, literally uh, probably about 12 miles from the track. So it's not not too far. Um, yeah. 10 minute drive, something like that, 15 minute drive. How's, how's the Wi Fi going to shape up there? Not so well. I don't know. 
we 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 take as many precautions as possible with 4G um you know little mobile devices and in yeah. our, our phones as well um just fingers crossed um a good wi-fi the weekend but you know i think uh Jeremy and myself we got a bit of a plan that if the wi-fi sucks then we're just going to literally leave the track and go straight straight back and just try and uh try and get everything uploaded and in, in, in yeah. sorted there so, um yeah, it's good fun. Um, obviously, this is going to be a good one to get under our belt. We'll, we'll start to see how people are, 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 you know, the next step, which is in sand. And yeah. then it takes in nicely. Then we've got two weeks until uh, Switzerland. So um, it'd yeah. be interesting. And obviously, Again, a lot uh, of the riders, another thing we didn't mention was that a lot of the riders have trained here in pre-season. It's like a second home um, Riola for a lot of them. So it's there's a lot of guys that have logged a lot of laps around there and like he was speaking to Rowan he was saying I know like every grain of sand almost from my time there and yeah it's it's really going to be interesting because a lot of guys will be confident they can they can flex their muscles there well it's 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 been quite interesting because the pre-seasons um predominantly always been kind of like red sand and people have just been smashing out laps in red sand but you know Kawasaki the the, the factory team spent I think pretty much a month over in in Rayla. I think um uh Calvin Vlanderen yeah. and just you know as a as a satellite team I think he spent three weeks over there mm. so um so many teams base themselves yes, yes, boys Yamaha they've all had stints haven't they yeah they've all yeah um I, I think um Jeremy was over there testing in um around about December the 17th so even before Christmas mm. those guys were based over there sort of riding so um <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of a bit of an even playing field, um, I guess, going into this this week because a lot of people have, but there again, there's testing, there's practicing, and then there's when yeah. the drops. Um, and it's interesting we... to see JT saying he doesn't put much sort of uh, credence in those preseason results. Um, obviously, they're all we have to go by, so you sort of you look into them. But he's basically yeah, he, it's cool cool to see if X race and what he what he thinks of them because he obviously knows that once the season proper starts, like with Yago. It's, things are different. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, Ed, thanks for your time. Um, yeah, thanks for having us again, mate. And uh, it's been a pleasure as always. And I'm um, looking forward to uh, listening to a couple of podcasts this week because you managed to catch up with uh, Arminis Jazakonis, which is going to be great. Uh, yeah. Tanti lined up in Malkovitz, which is is Bailey Malkovitz. Is that, am I? Am yeah. I? How's my Australian pronunciation going? Yeah, well, it's, yeah, probably uh, not the most Australian name, but uh, yeah, it's good, mate. I, I think you've done well. You've probably <laughs> probably done less job of butchering than I do, but uh, <laughs> with the Aussie accent, <laughs> people probably uh, think it's a bit abrasive sometimes. But uh, we we're doing our best, mate. But um, obviously, I also. Uh, write about European soccer football. So I'm a little bit used to the, some of the more uh, funky names as well. So especially yeah, working with Roma and the clubs in Monaco and the Bundesliga. So I'm, I should, I shouldn't, uh, I should get the, the actual structure of the names, right. They probably just sound a bit rough uh, in, in the Aussie accent. <laughs> no, that's cool. And um, I'll look out for those interviews and, and, yep. and so should the audience. So they're all uploaded or they will be uploaded. Um, we're literally doing podcasts near enough every day now. So and you've got uh, one with Max coming up too, Max Anstey. 
Max, tomorrow, yeah. So we've got SMX uh, review show on a Monday where we break down, Ben and Brad break down the um, uh, the weekend Supercross. That's on a Monday. Uh, on a Tuesday, we have the, the MX5 show. On a Wednesday, we have the Great British Podcast show. Uh, we're trying to bring back um, Inside Moto, which uh, we've only done one episode of at the moment, but it's been so busy with um, yeah. so many podcasts. So um, that's going to be coming. We've got, obviously, um, between, between the races one. Yep. Yeah, which uh, Ed's been doing. So, um, and that's been fantastic. And that's where you'll get a lot of these. Uh, literally, all the MXGP between the races, Inside Motor, are all uploaded to uh, the MX, um, SMX review, is all uploaded to the main MX Vice um, podcast channel. Uh, you can find that on iTunes, um, uh, Stitcher, Google. Uh, Spotify, you know, all your usual ones. And then there's also another channel. If you do a search for um, British Motocross or MX Vice British Motocross, um, you'll find basically a breakdown of, of all the British um, uh, shows on there. So um, Stay tuned uh, again, for that I- this week because Ben was obviously on site. So. Yep. Yeah, I mean, for those who who didn't get to the event and want to know the information, um, yeah, again, as mentioned that. Uh, you know, Ben's got put a, a really good review on there, but you're going to be able to listen to a breakdown of the event, uh, good and bad from the guys, um, as always. And that's on, on a Wednesday. So huge thank you to, um, you know, all our sponsors. Um, you know, we can't do this, uh, without you. Those, they, you know, they say that guys who support the sport, they also support us. Um, you know, parts Europe have been absolutely brilliant with us this year, um, and continue to do so. We have so much in the pipeline with them. Kawasaki UK, AS3 performance parts, um, aftermarket parts. If you're looking for bling parts on your bike for, uh, for uh, breakable levers, basically all your aftermarket parts, um, for your bikes, you can go onto the website, you can search for make model year, um, also, uh, you know, amazing on prices, really competitive, uh, and started out of a garage. Basically, it is like the Amazon of um, of the motocross world. Uh, even Strokes um, Motocross Shop, which is uh, all the basically anything you buy on Even Strokes, um, a percentage of that profit goes over to running MX Vice. Uh, there's uh, MIPS just one J18 helmets on there for £99. Um, there's a J38 helmet on there for 60 quid. Uh, asterisk knee braces, uh, discount armor supplements, uh, as well as all your, your regular parts um, for your bike, uh, right away down to grips, down to kite wheels, everything you can think of. So if you are looking to buy and support MX Vice, then head over to evenstrokes.com. Uh Huge thank you as well to uh, Kawasaki UK. The KLX uh, 140 uh, is a phenomenal little bike. So um, if you've not uh, checked out that yet, have a have a little look. Um, but yeah, without those guys, yeah, we can't do what we do. Um, also, we'll be back on uh, every GP weekend with the Aturbis, um post-race podcast. So again, those guys have come in this year and and helped us with um, sponsoring the podcast for uh, every post-race podcast. And the videos will be going up uh, in the week. So the audio goes up first and then the videos go up on our YouTube channel. So um, in a moment, we're producing a lot of content and we can't quite keep up with it. Um, I'm sure you guys can't either, but um, I'm, I'm loving this. Uh, it's all down to the machine and uh, Jeremy, they're... Um, they're killing it. So uh, nice work, Ed. Yeah, thanks, mate. It's uh, yeah, it's, it's it's a pleasure doing what we do, covering the, this great sport. And um, yeah, the, the content's coming, and any feedback from the listeners, we're we're definitely happy to hear it. And yeah, Ben, 
Jeremy, yourself, mate. It's, it's you've, everyone's doing some great work, and we're just um, just going to try and keep it up and keep moving forward as we head into Riola this weekend, which should be an absolute belter. Yeah, and I will be there. I will try and uh, bring you all the insights and uh, all the information from the pits. Um, that's what we do. Uh, we'll do our track walk on a Friday as well. We're hoping to get Calvin Vlander in who can talk us through. So, uh, And uh, hopefully we'll be able to do the drone as well this week. So um, you'll be able to see uh, a map of the track. Uh, that's it. That's it from us. Um, part two is brought to you by S3 Performance Parts, the home of aftermarket motocross and enduro parts. From hardware and protection parts, including skid plates and radiator braces, to performance cooling parts, including silicon radiator hoses and oversized impelicates. AS3 also have a huge range of brake, clutch and gear levers, all with different features and adjustability. Check them out online at www.as3performance.co.uk. Uh, Ed, um, have a great week and um, I'll see you the same time next week. No worries, mate. All the best and um, yeah, travel safe and we'll speak soon. Will do. Cheers, buddy.